0: to the weekly message from Angel of Joy Lutheran Church, an ELCA congregation located in Lufkin, Texas. Pastor Paul Guy and the family of Angel of Joy invite you to join us for worship at 10.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you should find yourself in our neighborhood, please enjoy this message and visit our website at angelofjoy.org Dear friends in Christ, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Once upon a time, when I was attending the Army Medical Laboratory School at Fort Sam Houston over in San Antonio, I had a roommate named EJ. He was a good guy and a friend. EJ had one significant distinguishing mark. On his right forearm, right, right about there, he had a large, ugly scar that resembled a horseshoe. And he told me that in college, he had been a member of a black Greek letter fraternity, and all the members of that fraternity had to be branded with the Omega, which is the last letter of the Greek alphabet, the equivalent of RZ. In Texas, <laughs> It's traditional to identify one's cattle by branding them with a red-hot iron. Does Dennis still do that? Ear Ear tags. I think some places still do brand them. And the unique mark of the iron shows to whom that animal belongs. Fortunately, in baptism, we seldom brand the person receiving this sacrament anymore. Rather, the sign of the cross is traced on the person's forehead in olive oil, showing that they now belong to God in Jesus Christ. In point of fact, the rite of baptism is an event wherein God claims that person as his very own. And whether or not that olive oil cross on the forehead lasts even through the service of, of church that day, doesn't really matter, God sees that sign and knows that that one belongs to him. Well, the most dramatic baptism was, of course, Jesus' own baptism in the Jordan River when the heavens opened, however that happened, and the divine voice was heard that was saying, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. What a great affirmation. And it was proof positive who Jesus was. It was a truly transforming event, too. In this sacred event, Jesus went from being the divine and human Jesus of Nazareth to becoming the Messiah with a mission. Almost 1,400 years earlier, The prophet Moses had been approached with God with a commission to lead the Hebrew slaves in Egypt out of their enforced captivity. Right away, Moses realized that such a task would be fraught with peril and would entail enormous challenges. And so the good old Moses understandably felt that God would be better off finding someone else to carry out this mission of mercy. God was determined, however, that Moses was the right person. And every time he said, no, you are the one, it is you I plan to send, Moses came up with another argument. And among his attempts to dissuade God from making him the instrument of the Jewish people's deliverance, Moses posed this question. He said, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? To which God replied, Tell them this, I am who I am. And since Hebrew, the language that was spoken in the Old Testament, uh, does not differentiate between the present and the future tense. It could be that God was saying, I am who I will be. But the crux of the matter is this. Names may be, for the most part, of little importance. It is what one does that defines a person. God was defined... By seeing to it that the, the Hebrew people did indeed escape from their slavery in Egypt, and that they were led to their inheritance of the promised land of Canaan. And as far as today is concerned, the day that we're celebrating, soon the one called Jesus of Nazareth would be known as Redeemer and Savior. Not because that was the appellation or the name that was given to him, but because that's what he did. He did redeem us, and he saved us. And this is what all began on a day at the Riverside. When one is baptized in this church, they approach the baptismal font, sometimes in the arms of their parents or perhaps their sponsors. And with a combination of words and water, promises are made. The parents and or sponsors make a pledge to keep the one being baptized as near to God as possible by bringing them to the church and teaching them the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, the Ten Commandments, and a lot of other important things. But within that covenantal relationship, God is also promising to love and care for that person throughout his or her lifetime. In the Lutheran Church, a baptized person, especially when they were made a child of God in infancy, later, usually in their early teens, goes through something, a period of study really, culminating with their confirmation of faith, which is more properly known as their affirmation of baptism. This is when a young conferman vows on their own behalf to continue in this holy relationship with God. It's as if saying, what took place when I was a baby and too young to understand or to speak for myself? Now I do understand and I speak for myself and I say, yes, this is the relationship with God that I want and that I will stay with. How these promises play out in actuality will remain to be seen, of course. But the promise of love that God makes is firm. In more than one occasion, I have heard a certain argument from people, even those with a Lutheran background, who choose not to have their infants or children baptized. And I must preface this commentary by stating That I am not talking about anyone here that I know, anyone in this congregation. But there are nonetheless likely to be folks who know what I'm talking about. And the argument goes something like this. We don't wish to impose our faith on our children. It is important to us that they come to make their own religious choices and decisions. It's a matter of integrity and respect. When they are old enough to decide for themselves whether or not they wish to believe in God and to be baptized, they will make this decision without being influenced by us, their own loving parents. It is out of respect for them that we choose not to do anything that would compromise their inalienable right to be atheists. Yeah. Of course, most of the time these statements are made by adults who have little or no interest in going to church themselves and who who consequently um, ensure that their child or children will not be raised with any knowledge of God or Jesus Christ. It's just a blank page. And by the time these children do reach an age of personal accountability with no connection to holy concepts, they will almost certainly choose not to be baptized at all. They will, however, in the meantime, have been brought into close contact with all things Disney and Lego and countless other spiritually rewarding and life-enhancing entities. Let it never be said that American kids are made to endure empty lives. Now please understand that I am not condemning the pleasure our children get from toys or appropriate entertainment, amusements. These things by themselves and of themselves are not bad at all. But what does trouble me is when The entertainment industry in our society is allowed to completely take the place of God and Jesus Christ in our young people's lives. It is a complex and often difficult world in which we live today, and I am acquainted with good people who regularly pray for the spiritual well-being of their grandchildren but who must keep their feelings and convictions to themselves or else run the very real risk of having their visitation privileges with these beloved children cut off. If you think that we live in a world of religious freedom, think again. So here we find ourselves on this day in which we remember and ponder the baptism of our Lord, Just like the world in which we live, the church itself is in a time of transition. It's adapting to the culture and mentality of the people who comprise it. And to be perfectly honest, except for the religious extremists halfway around the world who are more than willing to do vicious acts on behalf of God, in our society today, religion has become completely optional, kind of like stop signs for some of the drivers in our community here. It's a nice idea, but, you know, it's just a suggestion, mild alternative. The church is also in competition with endless other entities that seek to place their own brand upon the people of the world. But there is only one commitment that you and I can make that will ensure our eternal life in all blessedness. There was a time in my very first parish where there was a churchyard cemetery at the foot of the hill below the church. There were also other, plenty of other cemeteries around town, but in that one, the cemetery board decided one time that they wanted to raise a flagpole, and whenever a veteran was buried in that cemetery, they would fly the American flag. And they came to me for advice, and as a young pastor in his first call, somewhat naive, I said, well... That's fine, but you really need two flagpoles because, you see, when that person dies, they're no longer a citizen of this country. But by the grace of God, they will still be citizens of the eternal kingdom of God, and so you should raise on that second flagpole the Christian flag. It seemed like a good idea, and they didn't find any problem with my theory there, but if you go to that that little churchyard cemetery today and if it's on a day when a veteran is buried in that cemetery you will find one flagpole (laughs) with the American flag we forget that our eternal life starts now with baptism but it continues by the grace of God after the day that you and I are buried In other words, what's really important in this world needs to be judged with an eye toward the eternal future. What really counts in the long run, or what just feels good today? And so we find ourselves standing in a mystical way on the banks of the Jordan, you and I, listening to a voice from heaven and watching one particular person standing in the water. Today we know that we really most fervently want to continue to be there. To have that particular person in our lives. Not just today, not just for another 20 minutes or so, but forever. What counts in the long run? Yeah, that person in the water the one who's given his name to us, we Christians. And I might add, because of our own baptism, your baptism, and mine, and our personal commitment to Christ, we know that we shall indeed share his destiny forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please provide feedback on the iTunes podcast page and visit our website at angeljoy.org for more information.